Hey Slingers, welcome to another week of the Word Slinger Podcast. I'm so glad you could swing by. Now, I am chatting with author Marina Reed. We're going to be chatting about uh, writing away the apathy, something that I think is pretty appropriate in our current uh, political climate. So uh, stick around for that, and I'll see you on the other side of the intro. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. Word slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the word slinger. That means you're in the right place. I knew we'd find each other eventually. Uh, I just want to uh, open up by saying, this is not a political episode. I realized after I said the uh, the things I said in the opening might be skewed that way. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. <laughs> um, so we argued points, by the way, if you recognize the what I was vaguely uh, referencing there. Um, and poorly, also. Uh, so this week I'm talking to uh, Marina Reed. She is the uh, she's a Toronto-born writer and researcher. Um, and she's uh, she's put something together. She wrote a book based on something that she had been kicking around in her head for a large chunk of her life. So uh, I love talking to authors um, who had a story just sort of embedded in their psyche uh, from an early age. So it's it's really good to uh, to meet people who are out there, you know, pulling this out, making something of it. Um, that's what I encourage people to do all the time. I know um, a lot of people approach me, uh, a lot of people approach me and say, oh, I have a, an idea for a book. And a lot of times they try to, they want me to write that book. I have an idea for a book I, I think you would really enjoy writing. Um, the trouble with that, there's a lot of trouble with that. Uh, you know, I got enough of my own ideas. I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with my own ideas. So I can't really take on someone else's. Um, and besides which, I think that an idea belongs to that person. It's something that needs to be expressed by the person who had it. You know? Let me know if you agree with that. Um, you can pop into comments uh, just about anywhere you find this this uh, episode. And uh, let me know if you agree with that sentiment. But I think ideas are, uh, are given to us. They come to us because we're the one uniquely qualified in that moment to make that idea happen. I also kind of believe in... Um, you know, I read uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's, uh, one of her books, and I can't remember, uh, something about magic. <laughs> I can't remember the title. I'll find it. But um, one of the things she talks about in that book is, you know, if we get an idea and we don't express it, we don't build it, um, eventually it leaves us. And it goes to be expressed by someone else. And then in that way, uh, creativity is a living, breathing thing. I kind of believe that. I kind of do believe that. Um, that's neither here nor there. We'll talk, we'll talk about the heartfelt things after the interview, but I don't want to waste anybody's time. I want us to get right into this interview with Marina L. Reed, uh, and, uh, talk about her and her work. So I hope you enjoy this interview. Stick around after. We'll have ourselves a nice little chat and I'll see you on the other side. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another Word Slinger podcast episode. I'm glad to have you here. Um, I'm chatting with author Marina Reed. She's the author of Primrose Street. Uh, we're going to talk about her, her and her work. Um, word, I'm just going to put this out there because it's a warts and all show. Having a hell of a lot of technical difficulties in this episode. So uh, if, if I start skipping out or whatever, going robotic, you just listen to the guest. You don't pay attention <laughs> to me and you keep paying attention to the guest. So welcome to the show, Marina. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Yeah. Now, um, we, uh, I want to hear about your book, but I, I, I wanted to start first, you know, just what, can you give us an introduction of who you are? Like what, what you're doing in the world? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> had a, a lot of interesting journeys. Um, ha, I'm an artist, I'm an educator. Uh, I've done that uh, in various countries around the world. And um, now I'm doing what I uh, actually always uh, wanted to do more often, which is write full time. And uh, it's fantastic that that my book is um, creating its own journey now. Now you're with a uh, you're with a publisher, right? Moon Publishers. Blue Moon, yeah. 
Blue Moon. I knew it was something. I'm sorry. The notes are here, and I, I completely <laughs> overlooked it. So Blue Moon Publishers, and they are, um, I guess, are they a small press, or are they, uh, who are they affiliated They're with? They're a small press, yes. Okay. All right. Just checking. I like to feel the waters. I get a lot of indie authors on the show, and I get a lot of uh, traditional authors on the show. Awesome. Uh, so All are you, great. All are great. That's right. Yeah. Um, now what was your, your sort of journey like, uh, to go from your, you've got a, you've got the manuscript. How long did it take you to write the manuscript? Uh, yeah, you know, they're not simple one sentence answers to those questions. They don't um, have to be. You, you I, should talk more than I do. That's the, well, I've been writing since <laughs> really I can remember. I mean, yeah. you know, when I was five, six, seven years old, I was writing and my mom would keep all these little things and she had them in a box and she gave them to me a couple of years ago. And it was kind of interesting to go through and see that, you know, I was doing this a long time ago and right. started, uh, I've got on my shelf behind me, there are the yellow covered books at the back or all the original Nancy Drews that really yeah. kind of got me going. You know, I just love Nancy Drew. I started my own little detective series and so as I went along, um, I've always been writing. I have little notebooks everywhere and stories everywhere. And Primrose Street is really interesting because as I was uh, teaching, working uh, overseas, um, I was always penning stories. I was always observing and uh, looking and watching and in between everything else I was doing, right? That's the problem when you're having to do lots of different jobs. And Primrose Street is kind of a collection of all of those different stories, all those different experiences. And it came together because I'm rather political, I'm rather um, involved in our, in our world, in our planet. And um, I, I was starting to really, really notice such apathy. Mainly, I think, because people are, are very accustomed to doing what they're told or what they read right. that they should do, rather than really being able to stand in somebody else's shoes and be able to say, wow, is that, is that really what it feels like? Is that what it's like? Maybe I could reconsider what I think about that person or that activity or whatever it is. And I do think that's what art is supposed to do for us. It's supposed right. to allow us to stand somewhere that we otherwise wouldn't stand. We otherwise wouldn't be able to go because we can't experience everything. You know, our life is pretty short. Right. So we depend yeah. on artists to be able to take us to these places and not just uh, places as in a location, but places inside ourselves or the way others look at things. And, and that's what Primrose Street, you know, came to be. Right. How, how would you uh, cl classify uh, the story? Is it... Uh, literary fiction or uh, how, how do you uh, categorize it? Uh, cross genre fiction. Uh, okay. I think that's probably the best uh, way to put it in a slot. Although, you know, round peg square hole, I'm not, I'm not a real <laughs> fan of slotting something like that because it can fit into a lot of genres. Right. That's the thing with Primrose. Right. Yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, uh, I, you know, I hear you. I feel you. It's just, you know, people go looking for books in a particular genre, so. <laughs> and, you know, the the, um, the up women's market, like, yeah, yeah. women are great readers, right? So, definitely, um, it's a women's fiction piece. It's um, LGBTQ would be really honored by, I think, by what I've done here, because that's a, a very big part of it, is to try right. to help bring some real relevance and uh, some meat in a gentle way. Um, although there, you know, there's some very dark, dark places in Primrose Street. And uh, that's why it's called Primrose Street, because, you know, if you share a wall with somebody or a driveway or a field, then, you know, you've got a Primrose Street, you have neighbors. Do you really know right. who they are? Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? These days, um, we tend not to know our neighbors. We, we had a, circumstance here uh, a couple of weeks ago where the power was out for the evening uh, due, due to some thunderstorms that didn't even touch us, uh, thankfully. But uh, it was the first time we'd met any of our neighbors because we're all outside trying to stay cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that's cool. Eh? Diversity and disaster and calamity brings us together. Yeah, yeah. So you've, you're exploring uh, some interesting themes in the book then. Um, and is it a vignette or a series of vignettes or is it, uh, is there a through line story? 
Um, it started as vignettes, but it grew into very much like a Maeve Binchy novel. And I'm a serious Maeve Binchy fan, yeah. rest her soul, you know, a wonderful, fantastic, interesting writer, where she would have, you know, you'd get to know a character and then you'd get to know another character and then you'd see these threads that were actually connecting right. them all. And very much that's what Primrose Street is like, although in a smaller sort of setting, right? They're all right. on that street together. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I love stories like that. Those yes. sort of complex interwoven. Yeah. <laughs> very much. Very, very yeah. interwoven. So yeah, for sure. How do you plot something like that? Are you, are you a plotter or are you a pantser? Um, it's definitely a plot. I mean, it does okay. sort of have its arc. It does have a very, you know, I'm not going to give away the farm here, but it right. does have a, um, an ending that I hope will generate thought. Like it's not a, that's the end and that's it. It's, mm -hmm. okay, what do you think now? How, how are you feeling about some of these people now that you maybe thought of a certain way at the beginning when you started reading, but now that you've gone inside their homes and actually felt what they were feeling and heard why they made choices that they did. And I think that's what we don't get. We don't get right. to hear why people make the choices that they do. We jump to conclusions and we're very quick to judge rather than waiting and hearing what was their reason, what was going on for them. So when you get to the end of Primrose Street, um, it'll be a lovely conversation to find out if people have changed their minds a little bit. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I think now at its heart, you know, stories are about characters changing from beginning right. to end. Uh, and I think we are most interested in, in seeing that change happen. So mm -hmm. it's always interesting to me. This idea uh, is intriguing just because we, we can start with one completely different interpretation of a character as seen through the eyes of other characters right. and they get to know them. That's the kind of thing you want to you want to see happen out here in the three-dimensional world. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And, and I guess the other thing I've tried to do is I have characters that are seven and eight years old struggling with things in school and mm -hmm. grandparents in their relationships in their 70s and 80s and, you know, people all in between. So it's a microcosm of what we're looking at in our world, you know, the, the right. young to the old and, and how we all really kind of intermesh in between. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is your debut novel. Are you uh, already working on something else? Are you I've already finished the second You're one? You've already finished. That's the way to go. Yeah. That's the yeah. way to go. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> looking at, um, you know, Primrose Street in different directions, but the next one is actually, um, again, you know, looking at some, some hard issues. I guess that's, uh, that's sort of what I, I like to do because I like to bring some thought that maybe is a little bit different to yeah. how we deal with things you know that right. kind of thing. a little more empathy so are, are you uh are you going over to the the next street over <laughs> <laughs> actually it's the next country over in the oh, next okay okay all right i think that would be kind of intriguing though to see <laughs> a series of books that are stories about the people who live on various streets in the neighborhood just keep going that is kind of cool you never know you might yeah. be uh, finding that on your shelf actually in the future i i think i think you're the woman to do it honestly i'll have to give uh, you a little credit in that one do it i'll do it. i'll take <laughs> i take credit i'm all about the ideas uh you know my books uh you know are, are fun and all but i i think i have more creative ideas for everyone else around me i uh <laughs> but that's, that's the way it works right we have to share we have to share right you have to share that's what ideas are for right Absolutely. And you, I think uh, that's what happens. Yeah, I think so too. I and mean, we, we have a, especially authors, authors have an ongoing uh, conversation basically with readers, with other authors. And it's all about sharing ideas and seeing where, how they grow. Um, I'm not the guy to write that series of books, uh, but you might, you might be just the right person. <laughs> I would be intrigued. I'd read that. So uh, you hit on this and I'm sorry, I don't, I'm dealing with the technical stuff and my brain was not quite in sync yet, but we were talking about uh, sort of how you got started. What was, what was your sort of career before the full-time writing? Well, uh, originally I was um, a performer. I was, uh, you know, on stage. Um, and from there I went um, 
back to school. I do have three degrees now. Um, okay. And I was uh, in journalism for quite a while as a researcher, okay. as a producer, as a writer, and um, worked with um, illiterate kids in a program that I did that uh, got me writing drama and media programs for schools. And then that path took me to actually working with the kids and teaching right. ages 10 to 25. And uh, so okay. I did taught drama and literature to uh, students uh, for, of, of varying ages in inner city schools, in rural schools, in a developing country in Europe. And, uh, and then home I came and started to take a little more time to pen the story. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. We have very similar uh, backgrounds, it seems like. Um, I'm always fascinated. I, I'm, I always ask these questions because I'm secretly I'm looking to see if I'm really as odd as I think I am or <laughs> if there's a group of us out there. <laughs> I think there's a group of us out there. I do there's too. There's always a group for you out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I do too. I've, I've interviewed hundreds of authors at this point and uh, there are these little tiny similarities. Uh, some, some have more than others. So yeah, other than the performing, I didn't really perform, but I was filming TV uh, behind the scenes mostly and some on-screen stuff, I guess, uh, as a host. But um, And you're still so doing it. I'm still doing it, crazy yeah. as it sounds. I don't need to do this show. I, every, every week I think, should I continue this show? Should I keep <laughs> doing this show? And then I'll get an email or a phone call from a, from a listener who uh, says how much they've learned, how much they love it. And I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't stop. <laughs> no, it really is. I must say that I went through and I listened to a few, quite a few of yours. I, I love your intro, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I do. it's very creative, um, yeah. very enticing, and no, you do you do really. It's very relaxed and very comfortable, and you want to listen to what's going on. So yeah, do keep doing what that's you're doing. That's the goal. Yeah, that's <laughs> and I appreciate that because that means I'm I'm succeeding at, at least one of the things that I do in my life. So. Yeah, don't let technology <laughs> you know affect your decision here. <laughs> Boy, it gets you though, right? It just gets yeah. you because it's like I have a I have a setup, a very very nice, very well design setup and uh it's it has yet to fail me except for this past week when three of my guests have told me they can't hear me <laughs> so well you know whatever. that just means you have to be more determined to carry on right. you got to be smarter than the machines uh it's ai that's what it is taking over so <laughs> you uh now you're doing this now um you've got this contract i mean is this this is all you're doing now is the writing then it is well and i i paint as well um oh, okay. so I, I go back and forth, but really I am doing my art all the time now, which is, you know, it, it's actually quite fascinating because having had a split focus for so many years and then also add children into that, my right. own, not just the ones I was working with, you know, right. sometimes I wonder, wow, how did I possibly do it all? Um, but to just be in an art mentality is, oh my gosh, it's, uh, it's just it's so wonderful. It's so, so does different. The, um, does the painting inspire the writing and vice versa? Or yeah, yeah, yeah they really do. They really do. And sometimes I'll do a piece, and you know, and that will oh, okay, that's what I need to do for yeah. And so I go back and forth between the two, which is really fantastic. You know, that's exactly like, why I still do like cover design. You know, I do my wonderful. own covers, and other people's covers, and that sort of thing. Cause, and because I don't, when I do covers for other people, I don't need the money, uh, so I can afford to charge a lot of money for it, right? Uh, but it's just an outlet. It's a creative outlet. Um, are you? Just, what other things do you do to sort of recharge the work? Uh, I love being outside. Um, unfortunately, I had to. Uh, I couldn't quite afford my horses anymore, but um, oh. yeah, I used to do a lot of riding, love them. Play a lot of golf now, which yeah. I really have come to quite love that. Um, play tennis, I hike, I, I do as much as I can outside. Love my garden. So uh, that, that really is recharging for me. And, and it's funny how those things that are important to us come through in the writing, even if you're not consciously think of it. I found that so interesting that when I would go back and read what mm -hmm. I'd written, there were things there that, wow, I didn't consciously think of that, but you know, it's all there. And the power of nature is very, very predominant in Primrose Street, very predominant. The yeah. maple trees are 
personified and probably if i had to say who the main character is it would be the maple trees i i i got a sense of that when i was reading the uh the back cover description for the book uh because that's one of the first things you mentioned was that you know the only one who knows i'm sorry i'm getting some feedback sorry about that uh, the, you mentioned that the only one, the only ones who know the stories on Primrose Street are the maple trees, and I thought, right. well, that's an interesting perspective. Like we're, you know, there's we're sort of eavesdropping on the lives of these others through yes. otherwise inanimate life forms. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, are they really? I mean, that's a whole other conversation, True. and that's yeah. a very interesting word that you used, eavesdropping, because I I think that. Well, I just know that in my life, when something has happened, that's the, and the most recent one, number of three, three, four years ago, is when my husband died very suddenly. And trees, you know, I would just hug a tree for comfort mm. and for help. And there was this great strength that they were able to give. And I think they stand there and they just are there for us and give us things without us really being consciously aware. But I do think we definitely get things from those powerful things that are around us. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And some of the characters in Primrose street very much as young kids, and they mention this as they get older, that the trees were the place that they went for refuge. The trees were the place mm -hmm. that they, that they went for comfort. And, and I can remember as a young kid, I grew up on a farm and to get away from chores i would take this little basket of books and climb up this apple tree and sit up there and read my books and nobody i never told anywhere where i was and they'd be hollering for me and there right. i was up in my tree reading my books but they'd, they'd eventually you know get me to do what i had to do but the tree was always that place to go for comfort and refuge yeah. and I, I think people do that you know they really find that quiet zone when they're in a forest, right. when they're walking in nature, they get something that uh, is kind of unexplainable. It's very, I, I think our language is so limited. You know, we can only express so much of what we feel and take in around us. Right. Yeah. That's why authors are important though. Like we, it's true. We're inventing new ways to express that feeling of walking into a forest. You know, I still remember, you know, when I was a kid, especially, um, there was a clearing in the woods behind my home. You had to go through the woods to get to it. No one else knew it was there. And some of my best memories are standing, you know, playing in that little clearing. And I just remember one day being there. Actually, this happened several times, but I remember the first time very vividly being there in the clearing and suddenly the breeze picked up and it was nothing but rustling leaves all around me. And I had this sense of being enclosed, even in the outdoors, you know, sort of. Yeah something surrounding me and that so that yeah i understand where you're i understand exactly what you're saying i spend a lot of time but what was your feeling at that moment when that was happening do you remember it was very um it was it was the sense of being in in a safe space in a safe you know? space yeah right. yeah very much so so and you remember that really keenly like that was yeah very i can relive that when i yeah well you yeah. just did beautifully exactly like, right I, yeah I was standing right there, you know, I could just feel what you were saying. Very, yeah. you know, beautiful. So that, that, I do like that, that component, um, you know, and the fact that you're, I, I can see that now as a, a venue for, for uh, digging into human emotion, human, the human right. story um, with that as your sort of platform. That's very interesting. What, what, yeah, and, and it was what? very interesting. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> You're the important one here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought when it was, um, I think there's something really interesting that happens when you write that it, it, it creates with you. Mm -hmm. It's not like you just do it. It's, it's like there's this, this voice that works with you. And the trees in this story became very vocal to me. And I started seeing them quite differently. And when there was pain that was happening to a character, the trees, you know, would almost say, this is what's happening to me. And right. then there, there was this, this um, connection that started happening very organically. Like I didn't, 
think and plan that. It's like they just said, you know, this, this is what has to happen here. And it was really quite, um, um, I, I don't know, I, it, it's hard to explain how that all kind of came to be, but it just synthesized itself. It was really quite fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. I, I, love, I love when things like that happen. Um, and it, in, it's actually, I've noticed since when, I sw when I switched genres, because I used to write science fiction, now I write thrillers, and there's much more history involved, uh, history and archaeology. And um, I, I noticed that that sort of thing happens, like there's a synthesis that happens that I never had before. Um, and I, I glom on now to historic facts, anything about anthropology, anything about, you know, humanity throughout history. Uh, yeah, I love that. More. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Um, so you're, now what, did you say what the next book is? Are you able to talk about the next book or no? I don't know. The next book is, um, what I can say is that it does actually delve into history. It starts okay. weaving you know, history and how that has affected cultures, not just ours, but others. Right. And what component that has as we interact now, which is very much what happened when I was um, living in a developing country. And the past and the present merge together, but it is very much a, a book about women empowerment, for sure. Okay, all right. And that's, you know, this book is about coming together as people and being more tolerant of choices that we make and being right. more tolerant so that like the tagline um, that my son came up with actually um, was you can't hide from your secrets. Right. And that just became very predominant. And you see that through the whole book because that's what it is that that need to fit in that need to be accepted will make people afraid to say what they're really thinking, what they really need, because they know they won't be accepted. And this mm -hmm. book is trying to say, but, but why? Why would, do they have to kind of suffer in silence when really there's, there's no need for that? We need to have that empathy and that understanding together. So that's what, it, what it's trying to do. And right. it's about community. The next book, which is a trilogy, Yes, okay. it's about community as well, but it's about looking at how women need to really support themselves and stand on their own feet. And that really is kind of a sign of the times right now. Again, you know, again. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> I've is, lived through a few of those. <laughs> I know. I, well, I was going to, when I pointed this out before, I'm like, you know, a lot of the things that we're, that are very hot topics right now, I, they're not new. Like no, we've talked about new. these things, right. Right. Yeah. It is, and it's interesting that we have to keep refighting some battles. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a little disconcerting, but you know, the pendulum swings and hopefully at some point it will come to some kind of resolution that allows for more equanimity between people. And I watch young women kind of getting on that bandwagon. And I think, yeah, I remember being like that, you know, mm -hmm. hundred years ago, but now I'm still very, adamant about equality but i go right. about it a bit differently yeah i think um i think actually because of that the analogy of it being a pendulum is is pretty accurate because you have but what you have is um we're, we want to be we want to be in the center and you may i just got a message so you may be missing out on some what i'm saying i apologize it's okay. i hear uh, you as you're as you're frozen in front of me <laughs> okay so you want to, we want to come back to center. We want everything to be nice and equal uh, on both sides, right? Uh, I think what happens is we see these extremes. We swing from one to the other. And over time, we're losing that momentum. And we're going to eventually, inevitably, come to center. And we're going to be all right. So that yes. would explain why we have these same battles over and over again. Everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to ensure that their rights are are still respected, uh, sometimes at the cost of other people's rights. But I think we are getting better. It looks worse than it is, I, I, I feel, I believe. I, I hope that's true. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure that's always the case. But no, I, uh, I do think that as the, you know, that extreme, the extremes aren't maybe as extreme here. They're definitely not that in every country. That's true. Right, so. That's, yeah, that's very true when we talk about that pendulum swinging, we are talking about trying to 
figure it out here and then become an example that we can be for other countries and other right. people. You know what, we haven't, we're doing pretty well by giving um, credibility to other people. As long as yeah. people aren't being cruel and hurting someone else, then that's okay, that's good. Right. Let's, let's figure out who we are and who we need to be, right? I think in that instance, we're in that, uh, that airplane analogy. Uh, where you're told to take care of yourself, take care of your, put your yeah. own mask on before you see to the needs of the person next to you. I mean, until we can say we've done it, we've achieved equality, no one is being ostracized for their race, their religion, their, their sex, their sexual orientation. Right. Uh, it's hard for us to, to help others. So I think we're on the right track. And I, actually, everything you just said, that's Primrose Street. There you go. There you Everything go. We brought you it back said. around. There you go. That's and that's <laughs> what that's the entire thing that I'm trying. It's you know, it's a big it's a big message in a small book. Yeah. That generates yeah. a lot of discussion and that's what I'm really hoping for is that people will it will generate discussion. And yeah. it's not a matter of saying this is the way it should be and that's the way it should be. It's a matter of saying have you considered this is how that person might be feeling? And right. it's not maybe exactly the way you thought it was all by yourself. Right. That if you really listen right. to the person that's going through the experience, it's a little different than you might have thought. And that's what that's what Primrose Street is trying to do. Yeah, I like it. I mean, that's that's what I you know. I think every author secretly hopes their book has the power to uh, wake people up. Uh, change the way they think. Maybe, maybe some don't. Maybe some are just thinking, I just want to write my, my books and make Yeah, that's money. true. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> Ayn Rand, who, when you were talking about, you know, the, on the airplane that we're all looking after ourselves, mm. of course, Atlas Shrugged, that book she wrote so long ago now, was about that. It was about being selfish, but right. it wasn't a bad kind of selfish. Right. And so I think we're coming to realize that we do have to look after ourselves, but in a, in a good way that allows us to then be there for others. Right. And that's what hopefully, you know, we're coming to. Right. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking about what you were saying as, um, you know, as, as a wordsmith or someone who works with words. And I, and I do find sometimes that language can get us into a lot of trouble because someone will have a definition of a word and it's not the way you're using it. And oh my gosh, it can be, you know, a real kerfuffle. But I, I had a walk with um, this wonderful young man from Japan, a friend of my son's. And uh, we were talking about language. And of course, his language is quite different from ours. And he said, you know, when we talk about a word like the word love, we don't say to someone, we love you. We think of a collection of ideas that bring that emotion to that person. And we talked about that for, for quite a while and it had a really marked effect on me because it made me start thinking, how would I describe that feeling in not just one word, but what are what is the image that I would bring? Would it be, you know, mist over over a lake? Would it be the way raindrops sit on the grass or the leaves? What is it that I can think of that brings that feeling to someone else rather than one word? And that really changed how I started using words, actually. Right. Yeah, no, that's 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 very interesting. And I lately have <clears throat> been studying something, not studying uh, Arabic, but studying something that was about Arabic and how um, almost every word in Arabic has multiple meanings and nuances and context determines some of it. But uh, but. Uh, its relationship with the words around it helps to determine some of its meaning. So right. that sounds very similar. It sounds like, you know, you're, you're bringing in these abstract concepts uh, and using their descriptions to, to convey what you actually feel about somebody. Right. And our language is, you know, sort of a mishmash of Latin right. and German and French and a whole, you know, but it's very, it's very literal and it's, right very thin in that sense you know we don't have like you were saying in arabic or in japanese we don't have that expanse mm -hmm. of concept when we talk and so it can get a little tricky but on the other hand makes it quite fascinating to try right. to weave it into something that creates magic right right yeah yeah it's the it's the most flexible tool there is
it's the what a great yeah, that's a huge task for you learning arabic my gosh i'm not learning arabic i'm learning about arabic <laughs> I tried oh, to, I wanted, but though. i do want yeah that'll be next because that that's sort of where that's where this is going you know and we are as writers we we love language and we're always looking for new ways to uh to express ideas and this concept i i um you know, I, lo I know a little bit of French. I know a little bit of Spanish. You know, I'm not proficient in any of these languages, but I love uh, digging in into the etymology of, of words and finding out where, what the origins are. And, you know, and then you just become bigger. You become greater. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I, and I, I love that, too. I think when you explore languages, you're exploring people and cultures and you're able to look at things just a little differently. And right. uh, yeah, wow. Sometimes I think there's just not enough time to do all the things that I want to do. Oh, I know. I know. I know. There's probably what more time than we have. problem to have, eh? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What do I, what's the next thing that I'm going to immerse myself in? And do I have time for that? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I love, I love where this conversation has gone because I, I, I am a lover of language. I think most of us are as authors, you kind of have to be. Um, right. But even as we try to make others fall in love with it too by reading right. what you're doing, yeah. Right. So, uh, speaking of that, I mean, who has made you fall in love with these stories and storytelling? Like, who are some oh, of your inspirations? Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a voracious reader. I just actually finished um, Michael Andanchi's latest book, Warlight, which you know is very similar to all his books that. Yeah. I don't know, he casts a real spell. He has a way of turning a phrase. He loves writing around the Second World War, mm -hmm. um, but just just magic. Like you, you become lost in what he's doing and his characters, and you really have to think about it after. Like you don't finish that book and you're done. You close the book and you move on. Right, right. Um, uh, I found that um, Michael Fink, who wrote um, Stranger in the Woods, it's right. a story actually a true story mm -hmm. just beautiful beautiful right i had to reread those parts those are very current books um i'm also an absolute lover of the romantics you know of coleridge and wordsworth and uh their their long beautiful ballad poetries um, are we see them in so many things that we read you almost have to read those just to see how how many others are referencing that right. incredible piece of literature right Right. So, I don't know, Thomas Wolfe. I love um, historical fiction. Rutherford, who did Paris and mm -hmm. um, Sarum and, you know, just, just magical. I think that's an incredible feat to take actual events in history and create the characters that move through those events. So you're teaching the reader about history, but you're drawing them into the characters you've created. I mean, I've just, I've got so much uh, respect for them. And Philippa Gregory she's the same yes. right yeah. i mean i think i've read all of hers just because i'm that was one of my passions in university was the uh, the arthurian age and right. the Middle age and yeah i'm so I, I it really it really bothers me that i can't keep up with the reading list like gosh I, that's so true oh my god <laughs> if i stopped everything i was doing i could conceivably read all the books that i want to read in my lifetime <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so true i have a basket and i can't you know i almost have to say no 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 more secondhand bookstores no more yeah no because i've got 10 sitting there five right. sitting here you know but yeah you you get taken into another world and it's very rare i think of all the books i've written maybe five i haven't finished because right. i just there just was nothing that pulled me into it at all and that's you know not a, not common really i think the amount of thought that goes into it and the, mm -hmm. the magic of weaving those words is is pretty uh, pretty miraculous do you revisit um those works that you haven't finished um no oh well, i shouldn't say that so quickly um i think i i wrote something about this um um when I was in university, I did a course um, with, uh, oh my gosh, her name has gone right out of my head. She wrote Emma and Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen. Jane Austen, yeah, yeah. Hated her. Yeah. 
hated her to bits. Yeah. Great papers, but the, I remember the professor saying to me, you know, you have to be old enough to appreciate the detail and what she's doing. So come back to her in 20 or 30 years. Yeah. So I never forgot that. And I did come back to her in 20 or 30 years. And I found that I did have a very different appreciation for her. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's still my favorite author. I'd rather read the Bronte sisters that take you, you know, yeah. off into the, into the wilds. But I certainly did have a different appreciation for her magic. I, I had the same uh, experience and, you know, I, I was an English major. Uh, one of my majors was English uh, coming through college and, you know, you, you sort of resent uh, being forced to read certain right. works. And so, so which very... did you resent? Which did you not like? Well, Jane Austen was definitely on the list. We'll just... <laughs> and and uh, honestly, and I don't know what this says about me as an enlightened human being, but most of the female authors that I was forced to read, I didn't, I didn't like. However, in my defense, I came back later uh, like you said, and, and gave them another shot and ended up loving most of that work. Um, not all of it. You know, I don't, so, I, I think sometimes the, the work doesn't connect with you, um, yes. but I wasn't rejecting it because of the author, at least. Uh, I don't know where that started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point now. though. Sometimes the content, you just, you can't, you can't go in there. You can't take that journey. Yeah. So you're, you just, you just can't, you're not ready right. for it. It's not something right. you're not ready you for it. Cause you know, you're going to experience it. They're going to make you feel things. Right. You know, yeah. so you don't, you don't want to go down that route. Some of us lack the, a, a certain level of complexity. The first time we tried to read a work I, I did for sure. Um, mm -hmm. in high school, I, you know, was, uh, I did very, very well in high school. I didn't fail. I was, uh, you know, a top of my class, but I, you know, I skipped a lot of the assigned reading uh, because it was, it was quote boring. And so who was your I favorite? Could, who was your favorite in university? If we go there or even now, who, who are you loving? Oh, uh, well, you know, I, I, that's a hard question to answer because I'm all over the place. I don't, yeah. I don't. And the classics don't tend to stick with me as much as more modern fiction. Um, but, you know, I, I do occasionally reread some classics, you know. I, I loved um, Lord of the Flies was a book that I, I skipped in high school and read in college and ended up falling in love with it. Uh, Great Gatsby was another one of those. Right, but right. Basically, yeah. all the Jazz Age stuff was very intriguing to me. Um, right. Did you ever get I, through any uh, Thomas Wolfe? I did. Yeah, I did. I did read quite a bit of Thomas Wolfe. I read Hemingway. I read, I started reading. So I read Hemingway a little bit in college because it was forced on me. Right. I didn't fall in love with Hemingway until I went to his home in okay. uh, the West right. and decided, you know what? I mean, you know, I got to find out. I got to, I got to immerse myself uh, and picked up, you know, from their bookstore, picked up a couple of copies of, of some of his books and, you know, there I read, I went and read everything. And I don't actually think he's that great, uh, but no, I do enjoy his work. Yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that. I would agree with that. But, you know, you sort of have to think, wow, what am I missing? Yeah, yeah. But I did. <laughs> but you, sorry? No, and I I think what it, I, I somehow enjoy the work despite it not being great, if that makes and, sense. Yes. Like there's no, something I, about the work that uh, yes. connects with me, even though I, when I'm reading it, I think I've known better writers. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting, but, right? But it stays with you. So there's something pretty profound right there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, Hills Like White Elephants uh, was a short story that just stuck with me, has stuck with me all these years um, for no you know, apparent reason. Um, but yeah, several of Hemingway's stories have stuck with me, but yeah. Yeah. And some of those smaller ones that you just made me think of Kim Eshlin, she's got a new book out now. She's a Canadian author. She wrote Dagmar's daughter, mm -hmm. which just got me. There was right. something, uh, just, it just, and Jane Urquhart stuff just sort of, yeah, there's something very, um, almost a little sinister, I'd have to say. Right. Right. But right kind of cloaked in beauty it's really yeah quite uh quite gripping like that and i used to tell my students especially in grade 10 11 and 12 but younger too um don't just stick with that genre that you like right you know, no reach out, force yourself 
to read yeah. something that you'd never pick up because it's going to expand you and maybe you're going to find something that otherwise you know you wouldn't so then i have to take my own advice right <laughs> right and that's the trouble right well and i just read nina george's um the little paris bookshop which is probably more it's i, I mean it features a male protagonist but i'd say it's probably more uh, women's lit than than anything it's a romantic sort of story you know a journey a journey of discovery and growth and you know and i actually did just like really i did yeah. what was it called it's called the little the little paris bookshop nina yes, george I've seen that. yeah uh it wasn't a, the typical kind of book i would have picked up really uh you know i read a lot of, i end up reading a lot of well i read a lot of nonfiction, uh frankly now uh as yeah. more as research but you know, I'm, I'm making myself come back to fiction because A, it was my first love and B, you got to feed that machine too. Uh, you have to oh, work absolutely. that muscle too. Yeah. Did you read Stranger in the Woods, The Last Hermit? I did. Yeah. 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 And that was, Just that was fabulous. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was really good. I mean, I, I, and it's one of those, I'll probably reread that um, yeah. sometime in the fu near future. You but, forgot you were reading nonfiction. Yeah. It yeah. was brilliantly written yeah yeah just brilliantly i bought it for my son for christmas and then said you know can i read this in a day before i give it to you <laughs> right but and yeah. i love i love stumbling across books like that where yeah. i started reading it in the bookstore and only bought it because i felt guilty for having you know read the whole book in the bookstore <laughs> i love i love hearing you say that because i i've done exactly the same thing i've done exactly yeah. the same thing. yeah <laughs> Well, we are, uh, we're at time, uh, oddly enough, that can, that's a couple on us, but um, I, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Where can people find uh, you and Primrose Street and the rest of your stuff online? Okay, so my website is marinalreed.com. Um, so that would be great to go there. You can subscribe to my newsletter, things that I'm doing, and there's a link to Amazon and Indie because it is there for pre-sale right mm -hmm. now. Um, so okay. if you just put in Primrose Street um, on Amazon, it'll pop up and away you go. I got the ARC um, in an email, actually, okay. from, right. from your publicist today, this morning. So <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have been able to read too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to read it yet, but I will. Uh, sounds sounds like my kind of story. I think I'll I'll probably enjoy it. But well, yeah, then I, send me an email. There's an email on my website. I really love to. I'd love your thoughts. You know, it's okay. been great talking with you. I just loved it. Thank you so much. Oh no, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, and uh, educating us on uh, on everything. I think we're gonna. I think this is gonna be. I think this is gonna be a fun book to read. And uh, what we're going to do now, of course, everybody within the sound of my voice, looking at me on your, your tiny little screens, or however you consume the Wordslinger podcast, right now, you're hearing the groovy theme music. You may dance in place at will. And we're going to see you on the other side with maybe some industry news, whatever I've come up with. Uh, I've been thinking about changing the format. Who knows? So who knows what you're going to get, but you stick around and... Uh, Marina Reed, thank you again for being a part of the show. You stick around too. We're gonna we're gonna chat a little bit after all these Yahoos get out of here. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. Hear your book the way it was meant to be heard, with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material, an album of music that perfectly fits your characters, your settings. Hear your book today. Sonatainscribe.com. Well, welcome back. You, you made it through to the other side. I'm so happy to see you. I was just sitting here sipping my coffee. Mmm. So that's good coffee. Um, <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed that interview uh, with Marina Reed. I hope, uh, and I know we, we talked about all kinds of things uh, in that. The, uh, the opening was really where we talked about the idea of writing away the apathy. So I, I hope that um, that inspires you. Um, it is important to care about things, you know, uh, and I've, I've, there's a curiosity. I have a curiosity, and maybe you can help me with this. I, I was thinking about posting something on Facebook to ask, ask about this, but um, this will do equally as well. Uh, I'm, I'm curious because sometimes you, you hear people talk about interest and caring in a way that sound, makes it sound voluntary, 
Okay? So I believe that caring is voluntary. I mean, I believe you choose to care. Okay? Uh, interest is different to me, and I, and I, don't, I don't know how to become interested in something I'm not interested in. And so statements like, you know, he, show, he's, he showed no interest. You're clearly not interested. Um, you know, argumentative type statements, accu accusational statements that, you, that someone is not interested, um, implying that they should be. You should be interested, as if interest is a choice. Is interest a choice? That's the question I, I pose to you, dear, dear listener and viewer. <laughs> is, is, it, is interest something we choose? Or is it something um, that sort of comes from the ether, like good ideas? I mean, do, do we, you know, I don't know. I don't know, because I think you can also craft good ideas. So I, maybe there's uh, something to this. There's some meat on this bone. Let's, let's check that out. Let's deep dive into that. Let's use all the uh, hackneyed phrases that we can come up with <laughs> and over, overused tropes. Um, but, yeah, I am interested in that. So if you have an opinion on that, let me know. Um, you know, and by the way, you can pop in if you follow me. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Um, you know, come on over to the website. <clears throat> that is, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Sorry for that. I had to clear the throat there. Uh, Wordslingerpodcast.com is the uh, website for this show. Uh, KevinTumlinson.com is um, my author website. You're welcome to check out both of those. They kind of lead to the same place right now. I, I, over the years, I've toyed with... Uh, creating a specific website for Wordslinger, and uh, I've done it a couple of times, and I've reverted back. It's, it's a, there's a thing. There's a whole thing, um, but I kind of like that, uh, you know, the show is so, so intimately tied to me uh, as the author. I got some other stuff, by the way, coming up. Uh, some Oh, that was my phone. Um, I forgot to, forgot to put it on a soft surface. Um, I got some other things that I'm working on uh, content-wise, they're taking some time. They're going to take time. I decided purposefully to take my time with this content, to give it a high production mm -hmm. value, to uh, uh, try to settle the phone issue here, uh, to get you know to give it some, to make it something that appealed to. Um, I'm not aiming at authors with this stuff. I'm aiming at readers with this. Uh, but you you may be well interested in this as well. And that's essentially what I'm doing is I'm going to create content around the types of. Uh, material that I find when I'm researching a book or, what, or the things that I might, the topics and the things that have interested me enough that I might include them in a book. Either I've already included it or I plan to include it, um, things like that. So I've got a, I'm writing some essays. I'm going to create a podcast around this. Um, it's going to have some high production value. At least that's the plan so far. I've written uh, three or four episodes of this thing so far. I need to sit down and really figure out. I, I, I've thrown some numbers around to a few people who know about this project, um, and I they're just arbitrary numbers right now. But what I need to do is sit down, do some actual planning, and um, which I've done a little. I've done quite a bit, actually. Uh, but I need to actually just break it all down. Here's a timeline. Here's a schedule for the whole thing. Uh, goals, <clears throat> you know, benchmarks, that sort of thing. When am I going to do this? When am I going to do that? Travel messes with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think, um, this all comes back, this, this all circles around, this is all connected. Um, we got Marina Reed here who, uh, crafted a story, uh, and her, one of her motivations, as she put it, was that she wanted to, uh, you know, overcome apathy. Uh, she wanted to write a story about, you know, something she cares about and about people who care, that kind of thing. Um, she created art in order to overcome apathy. I think that as authors, that's our job. I was recently on a podcast, um, uh, the Smarty Pants uh, Marketing Podcast, I believe, uh, Chris Symes Podcast, and I was asked, you know, what is, what do I think the trend is? What do I think the, the sort of forward momentum positive trend for marketing is for independent authors? <clears throat> and I, I, my answer was, in general, that I, I believe content marketing is that trend. And this is not new. This is something that's been around for a while. But if you are an independent author in particular, uh, but any sort of creator, any sort of artist, you make videos, you make, you're a traditional author, you are a painter, um, I think that the key to success is going to be uh, crafting content that relates to your work. 
So, and that's where you put your time, your energy, and even your money. Um, <clears throat> because right now, uh, in in my community, in my circle of indie authors uh, and self-published authors, the tendency is to focus on things like ad campaigns, Facebook ads, um, Amazon marketing services, sometimes something like a Google ad or something along those lines, book bubs. Um, and these are pay to play kind of services. You know, you're going to, you're going to spend money, uh, to get so many eyes on your work. They're effective. Facebook advertising in and in and of itself is pretty effective. Uh, it's very targeted, which is very hel- helpful, uh, and handy. Uh, Amazon ads are also, uh, pretty effective. There are people like, uh, you know, Mark Dawson's uh, self-publishing formula, you know, all about uh, all the ways you can market yourself as an author. He has his Facebook ads for authors uh, course. He's also got some other content around other services and other approaches. Uh, Brian Meeks, who's been on the show a couple of times, he's uh, got his Amazon ads for authors or something along those lines. Um, What you've got is uh, with this advertising stuff is one tool that gets all the attention people uh and people get stressed about it i get stressed about it you know i'm a marketing guy i do marketing for draft to digital um advertising is one way to get your message out there it's not the only way it's not even necessarily the most effective way or the most cost the most cost efficient way if you can get a good roi return on investment if you can get a good uh return for the dollars you spend then that's fantastic. If you're not getting that good return, it's almost always a a matter of having to drill down on data. Well, there's a problem with that in that not everybody is very skilled at the data, doesn't doesn't click with it. Uh, Some people get very stressed out about it. I'm one of those people. I get stressed out when when everything becomes data-centric. And I think the reason that I get stressed about it is because uh, the, the more I dive into data, the less connected I am to the human component of that, the human component of the marketing. Um, that says, this is just me. This could be you, but I mean, this is, this is what happens with me. And uh, the more disconnected I feel from my audience, the less effective my, my marketing becomes. So what I've noticed over the past several years now um, is that when I, when I focus on the human aspect of marketing, I get bigger results. They take a little bit more time sometimes. You know, if I can dump a bunch of money into an ad campaign, I can start seeing the needle move. But then when things shift, when things change, it's hard to adapt because um, I I now have to figure out the puzzle of the data. Um, And some people really thrive on this. They really love it. Brian Meeks loves it. You know, Mark Dawson, Joanna Penn, they love it. And this is the kind of puzzle they can dig into, co- cozy, next to a fire, iPad in hand, looking at the data, reading a story. That's the way they feel about it. That's the way they, they see it. And it, it works for them. What works better for me is how do I reach the human being that I want, that I believe will enjoy my stories the most? Where do they hang out? What are they into? How do they connect with other people? How would they connect to me? And that's how I focus. Um, data plays its role in that, but it's not the uh, center of my marketing universe. So content, content marketing, as I put it in, the, in, the, in my interview, um, content marketing feels like the most indie um, marketing that there is to me. Uh, content marketing feels like the indie author's marketing it is the most indie author marketing tool out there. And it's because, and it's not just indie authors, it's anybody uh, who is creating something, indie or otherwise. Tra- you know, if you're a traditional author, if you're a commercial artist, um, you can use content marketing in the same way that the indie can, um, as long as your contracts don't forbid it, you know, as long as you're not locked into something, which is, you know, a whole other conversation we can have. But, as an indie creator of any kind, uh, you know, authors, I, I love the way Joanna Penn put it. We were at, we were at Nink. Joanna Penn did a presentation. Um, she mentioned creative, uh, content marketing as a, 
uh, strategy as a marketing tool. Um, and as she put it, you know, we are, we have this, uh, proclivity to create anyway. We're, we are content creators. It's what we do. It's why we are doing this in the first place. I'm a content creator, which is why I write books, which is why I write blog posts, which is why I do a podcast, which is why I do any of it. Cause I'm driven to do it. And, uh, you're probably driven to do that, do that stuff as well. And, uh, I think if we start focusing on, and let's just pick one thing at a time, you know, we don't have to go out and do all the things. That's, that's where Indies tend to get themselves in a lot of trouble. They get bogged down. They go out and they try to learn everything they can learn about, um, all the, all the ad platforms, Facebook, Amazon, Google, BookBub, um, whatever. Got to learn all those. Got to do all those. Got to manage all those. Got to track all those. Uh, that's where I think we we fall to pieces. And the same thing about social media platforms. Got to be on all the social media platforms. Got to learn inter- uh, interest. <laughs> Pinterest, Instagram. There should be a platform called Interest, damn it. Um, and uh, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. We got to know all of it. Right. That's the way we start to feel now that we know we've been told that's not true. We know that that uh, we should focus on the thing that's giving it, giving us the biggest results. Um, I happen to do better with engagement on Facebook than I do any other social platform. So a lot of my engagements on Facebook and most of it has nothing at all to do with uh, writing and publishing. Most of it is just me being me with a whole bunch of yous being you and uh we we hang out and we chat and we laugh um but you know it it's interesting to see how that goes now maybe facebook isn't actually my um my tool for marketing that content maybe isn't pushing sales so i uh i do need to consider that uh just because something's possibly fun or easy although facebook is becoming less fun and a lot less easy um you know, it doesn't mean that it's a good resource or a good tool for promoting yourself and your work. So you got to look at that as well. Um, content marketing to me is a perfect tool because it'll let, I'm going to go out, I'm going to create this stuff anyway. There's a real good chance of it. So, uh, let's say that I go out and I create a bunch of blog posts. I create a bunch of videos. I create a bunch of podcasts. Um, if I can tie that in with the things that are similar to connected to, you know, my, my work, my books, um, then I think I've got a better chance of connecting with the right audience. And that's what I think we should be focusing on. You know, I'm, I have an author based podcast that, but I don't produce a lot of author based product anymore. Um, however, I am the director of marketing for draft to digital. So the podcast plays into that. So I'm talking to the audience that I need to be connected with in order to be useful to them and provide them with something that I hope you find useful. Uh, and then I can say, you know, draft to digital helps make your, your life easier as an author. Draft to digital helps with your formatting, helps with your, you know, distribution helps with, you know, we're introducing D to D print, by the way, if you're interested, D to D print, it's in beta. You can get it on the waiting list. If you go to draft slash print beta, then you'll be able to, uh, Sign up, be on the waiting list for the beta test of that service, and it's going to be awesome. So that end of plug. Uh, <laughs> but back to content marketing. Um, so what I'm planning to do is create some content around the topics that I, I write about. So I write archaeological thrillers and others. I got some other books out there and some others on the uh, the bench that are not not strictly speaking archaeological thrillers. They almost everything going forward is a thriller of some kind. Um, but I do a lot of research in the form of the stuff I read, you know, the stuff I watch on YouTube, the stuff I listen to on podcasts. And so I'm going to start creating content based on that research. I'm going to start building content that relates to the subject matter of my books, um, so that I can connect with people who are interested in that same stuff. And then I can say, if you like this, I'm a, I write thrillers. Here's where you can find my work. I write archaeological thrillers on topics like these. I write um, ad- action adventure stories on topics like these. I deep dive into this stuff in fiction as well as nonfiction. And then I've got a qualified audience that already likes me, that likes my style, likes my tone, and might enjoy the uh, the novels. 
So that's the idea. <laughs> that's what content marketing looks like uh, for at least this indie author. And I'm going to be deep diving into this a little more in uh, some future blog posts on, on draft to digital as well. So uh, make sure you're checking that out. Uh, go to draft to digital.com slash blog. Um, and you'll see some of what we got going. And, uh, you know, the announcement about DDD print, that's going to be dropping in a couple of days to your, uh, to the DDD authors, uh, in your inboxes, uh, and on the blog, <clears throat> you're getting a little early preview. <laughs> uh, got some other stuff coming up at DDD. You're going to dig DDD shared universes. Shared universes is our, um, our, uh, our version of Kindle Worlds. So when Kindle Worlds shut down at Amazon, uh, we picked up some of those authors to help them continue uh, being able to offer those books by the people who came into their universes. So we're going to offer that. That's going to include some royalty splitting and other uh, features. So get ready to see that announcement coming up. I'm leaking this stuff, guys. You get to hear it first because you're slingers. You see what you get for showing up? Now make sure you tell other people. Go, <laughs> go share this episode. Go tell people far and wide. Uh, that's going to be it. Uh, make sure that you are uh, following me. Follow me at Kevin Tomlinson on Twitter at WordslingerPod um, on Twitter, and uh, pop over and search for Kevin Tomlinson on Facebook. You can find me and my author page. The author page. I'm kind of not seeing the point of the author page, but uh, go go. Follow it anyway. I could use the followers. Wordslinger Podcast has its page there as well. Uh, don't forget to check out draft to digital Like uh, the draft to digital page as well. At draft to digital on Twitter. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're there. We're, you look on any platform, search for Kevin Thompson, Wordslinger Podcast, and draft to digital There you go. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube uh, for all these things. Um, Kevin, The Kevin Thompson YouTube page... I keep saying I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm going to do it. And I do like two episodes and I, I fall out. But uh, I got to I gotta figure out the content, the Kevin Tomlinson content there. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'm working on it. But uh, definitely follow Wordslinger Podcast so you can, watch, you can actually see these interviews. If you're not watching these on YouTube right now, you can uh, pop over there to see what I look like, what the guest looks like, um, what uh, the Wordslinger Podcast office space looks like, that sort of thing. <laughs> Oh, we got another big uh, announcement draft to digital wise. Um, DDD is moving its offices. Uh, there was, they're going to remain in Oklahoma City, but they're moving closer to downtown Oklahoma City. So uh, look for an announcement about that as well. So, otherwise, if you're going to be in Vegas uh, for 20 books, uh, look me up. I'll uh, I'll be sporting the draft to digital uh, Amex, so we might be able to might be able to comp you some drinks. <laughs> Uh, we'll have a little fun, uh, but yeah, just swing around and say hello. I'd, I'd love to see you. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week's Wordslinger podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I love every single one of you. Um, even the ones who don't always agree with me and whom I don't always agree with, um, uh, you know, there's a great deal of respect and love, uh, all across the board. And, uh, I'm real happy that we're in each other's lives. So thanks for being a part of that. God bless each of you. I'll see you all next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>